Welcome to the Pets Who Thrive podcast, where we cover all areas of natural animal health and challenge what we've been conditioned to think regarding how to raise and keep a healthy pet. My name is Tammy. I'm an entrepreneur and a certified animal naturopath with a passion for animals and empowering other pet owners with tools for creating the healthiest version of your amazing pets. Let's dive in. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I have such a treat in store for you. Dr. Todd Cooney is joining us today. Dr. Todd practiced traditional veterinary medicine for 20 years before deciding to change his course, where he now practices as a homeopathic veterinarian. Dr. Todd will be a regular guest to the Pets Who Thrive podcast, where he will bring his wisdom and experience. Welcome, Dr. Todd. I'm so glad you're here today. Thanks, Sammy. I'm glad to join you for this. Congratulations on the podcast. Thank you. Well, I would love to for you to share just a little bit about your journey and what inspired you to move from practicing traditional veterinary medicine to becoming a homeopathic veterinarian. Okay, sure thing. I get asked that a lot. It's a common question because people will ask me, especially people who have known me for a long time and knew me when I did conventional practice. And they'll say, you know, why, why did you switch? Why are you doing things different? And it it really boils down to um, uh, several things, but the, the short version is I, I had a serious health crisis of my own back in um, 2003, and it, it, really, um, it really was tough, and it challenged my notion of medicine. It challenged everything I thought was true, you know, that medicine could pretty much do anything and deal with any kind of problem, and <clears throat> For the most part, and I found out that wasn't true, and so I started uh, looking at alternatives for myself, and discovered. Well, I already knew about alternative medicine, but I I started to learn more about it firsthand, and I learned first about acupuncture and Chinese medicine and um, what that involves, and then I and then I found homeopathy kind of by accident, but it turned out to be the one that really resonated with me and the one that really helped me the most, too, on my on my path back to um, better health. You know, I, I wouldn't say great health because I don't have perfect health now, but I don't think anybody does. But I have much better health than I had, you know, um, back in those days. And I think it was because then I was relying more on medicine to do everything and didn't have a good understanding of what health even looked like. So, um, so that's, that's really it in a nutshell. And, you know, homeopathy helps me to, uh, do something for animals that I, I feel good about. You know, I feel it's what I do for myself. It's what I would recommend for almost anyone. And so I, I, I have a good conscience, you know, which I didn't really have doing conventional medicine. I felt like, you know, this this isn't really the best thing for these animals, but it's all that I knew how to do. So, so I feel much better about it now. Nice. And you learned in the um, at the Pitcairn Institute. Um, I did. And also have been an instructor there, right? I have been, yes. Technically, I'm still in the faculty, but we haven't had courses for a while. Um, well, we, we weren't. We were having courses every other year, and now COVID has thrown things you know, in the wrong direction. So we're still putting together the next course, so whenever that will be. But we usually have 20, between 20 and 25 people in the course, and it's, it's a big investment of time and money. It takes a lot of effort to get through the course, so people um, 
it's uh you know it's a big step it was a big step for me it was a big commitment and i'm glad i did it but again i learned a lot from dr pitcairn and um dr will falconer um, dr glenn dupree who's no longer with us but very good teachers and homeopaths and and they still teach me i still learn things all the time you know i just learned something new from Karen this morning. <laughs> so, oh wow! Because he's very active on the, he's very active on the email cat, and so we're right now they're talking about COVID vaccine and oh, you know sure. COVID nineteen and those kind of issues. So, yeah, so it it's um it's really changed my life, and it's really been a good experience. Well, and it, when you think about being a, tr- a conventional veterinarian um, and kind of just having a motivation to seek another route, what were some of the things that you noticed in your patients um, regarding maybe some not so great side effects, either from medications or vaccinations? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and a lot of the things that were, you know, side effects, we, we just took those for granted. I mean, we figured it was part of the deal. You know, these animals were sick. They needed, you know, X, Y, Z drugs, those drugs came with side effects. So it was just part of the, you know, part of the trouble, unfortunately, part of life. You know, we just accepted that this dog has to be on this drug the rest of his life. You know, it has these side effects. It might, it might damage his liver or his kidneys or who knows what, but what else can we do? You know, we didn't have any other, I didn't have any of the tools in my toolbox as far as medicine goes. So, um, to have, to learn about something that comes along and says it can actually cure things and not just put a Band-Aid on it, but cure it for good and not cause side effects, I thought, this is too good to be true. You know, this this um, can't really be true. And then and then just raising my awareness level as far as vaccines and, and how vaccines really cause damage, you know, what, what they really do that, that causes damage. That was That was an eye-opener. That happened during the third session of the homeopathy course, session three, which really? is the session I helped to teach. So I think that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about vaccinosis and the whole problem there, because I, I get to teach that to the new students. Sure. What were some of the common themes that you've seen um, as far as vaccine damage in animals? Um, well, the biggest thing is just a tendency toward poor health. I mean, just animals that... They're unthrifty, you know, they they don't have nice coats, they don't have good digestion, they don't have good behavior, sometimes they're neurotic, um, they have a lot of allergy issues, you know, that's probably the most common thing, um, itchy skin problems, ear problems, ear infections, um, just, you know, all the common things that sit in veterinarians' waiting rooms around the country mm-hmm. every day, <laughs> right. every day, all day long. And even in my waiting room, I mean, we see a lot of it, you know, and a lot of people that we see are coming from other clinics. They're they're coming because they want to try something different. They've heard that there's something different that we come because they don't like vaccines. They're they're uneasy about vaccines. They don't know. They don't always know what it is exactly, but they have this gut feeling that vaccines aren't um, the best thing for their animals. So, so um, you know, we have that conversation and we talk about why we don't believe vaccines are the way to go although we don't encourage people to break the rabies law the rabies vaccine law but um, we give them their choice though it's you know it comes down to their choice it's not something we're going to mandate 
So, right, and and you help them see from from a perspective of someone who has seen um, damage over and over. You help them see what what some of the um, I guess um, what some of the outcomes would be if they continue mm-hmm. down this road. What would you yeah. say to that pet parent who, you know, just they're kind of you know so I guess they feel proud. I guess in a, in some sense that they are getting their annual vaccinations, um, or you <laughs> yeah. know, oh my dog's up to date. You know what? How do you yeah. respond to that? Yeah, that little phrase makes me cringe whenever I hear somebody say he's up to date or she's up to date. I go, oh no, <laughs> right? Oh no, that's too bad. No, I I'm nice about it, but but I you know it does open that uh, that opportunity to talk about it. And um, I tell them, you know, flat out that one of the first things I heard in the homeopathy course was from Dr. D. Blanco, who's a Blanco in uh, Santa Fe. She's a homeopathic vet, an excellent one. She came in and talked to our class one day just as a guest speaker about her practice and what she does. And and she said something that floored me at the time, because I think this was just in the first or second session. There's five sessions to the course, and so that was how it was divided up. So early in the course, she comes in and says, everything you're seeing in practice right now is vaccinosis, every bit of it, 100%. And I thought, wait a minute, this is a little extreme. You know, how can you make that claim? And by the end of the course, I thought, she's absolutely right. <laughs> she's absolutely wow. right. Yeah, everything. And and the reason, and and really... If you define chronic disease in in dogs, for instance, and if you look at the conventional textbooks, all the all the diseases that are listed in the textbook, every one of them will say this is either autoimmune or this is immune mediated, or it's immune dysfunction. It's something to do with the immune system not working right, and that's what vaccines do. They screw up the immune system. They cause autoimmunity 100% of the time. Not not that there's a statistical chance that it might do it it does it 100 percent of the time wow so you go get you know your puppy a distemper parvo vaccine or something it creates autoimmunity in the puppy mm-hmm. and or or a dysfunctional immune system or and and pups will have different degrees of problems you know not all of them will light up with allergies and start having terrible issues right away but it it kind of sets the stage someone put it this way it, it loads the gun it loads the gun, mm. and then other things can help pull the trigger. Um, sometimes it'll load the gun and pull the trigger all at once, but um, but it causes that shift. It causes that um, tendency to autoimmunity and immune dysfunction. Absolutely. Which we call vaccinosis, and which does sit behind about everything we see. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it it is you know I've told I've talked to many of my clients who. Um, I've kind of explained to them they're in that hamster wheel. And so like an example might be, okay, you get your annual vaccinations. Two months later, the dog is extremely itchy. You go to the vet and the offering is antibiotics and steroids. Two months later, that stopped working. Now the answer is Apoquil or Cytopoint or more steroids. Yeah. Now that stopped working. (laughs) Yeah. So we just keep going. And then guess what? You get your postcard and you're due for your vaccines again. That's right. That's right. You're up to date. And the cycle just continues. Well, and we, you know, we like to, um, people that 
are like that task-oriented people, people goal-oriented. They want to check boxes. You know, they want to do what they're supposed to be doing. And so when your vet says you should do this, you know, it gives you a task and you want to complete that task. So that's just human nature, I think. Sure, yeah. And and people that love and care for animals, I think, are some of the best people on the planet, you know. And they, they most of them really want to do well and um, want to do what's right. Absolutely. And I think most vets are that way, too. I think they're just mm-hmm. misguided in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, like I know, I know I was, but I was just following the guidelines and following the rules and doing what we were supposed to do. And what you knew to do. And that's, I I think, where to do. Right. And I think that's where as pet parents, sometimes you have that gut feeling of this doesn't Mm -hmm. feel right, but I don't know what else to do. Right. And you don't feel like you have the confidence or, um, I don't know, knowledge to question that because you don't know what else to do. Yeah, exactly. You don't even know what the options are. You, know, you don't know That's there right. are options out there. That's right. Like, like no sods, for instance, people don't even know about that. Yeah. Exactly. And that's where I was just about to um, go is I wanted to see if you could talk a little bit about um, a kind of a safer way of obtaining immunity through the use of no sods. Kind of an overview of how they work and um, and what they are. Yeah. Um, well, um, yeah, as part of learning about homeopathy, we learned, um, well, first of all, that, you know, the, the animals that we treat, they're, they're, they're just like humans. You know, we all have a, we all have what homeopathy call a life force. The life force takes care of everything. It maintains the body in a certain order. And sometimes it gets disordered. And that's where homeopathic remedies come in to help bring order back, restore order, which helps the symptoms go away. So the symptoms are the body's distress signal, you know, help, you know, mm-hmm. help, I'm vomiting, help, I'm itching, help, I have right. diarrhea. And instead of something that stops that symptom, you you use a remedy that will help the body address it in a better way and help it get through it and be finished with it, put in the past in a good way, not just suppress mm-hmm. it. And so, so this special class of homeopathic medicine is called nosodes. And it just comes from the Greek word nosos, which means disease. And nosodes are remedies made from diseases or products of disease. So, for instance, parvo is one we talk about a lot in dogs, is made from uh, all the yay stuff that comes out of parvo puppies. You know, the diarrhea, the vomit, the saliva, the blood. Um, you name it, it's, it's made from a multitude of things, discharges from parvo, mm-hmm. from the parvo illness. So, but it's, it's processed in a way that it's very dilute. It's, it's harmless to the animal. It's not going to make them sick, you know, which you can't really say about a vaccine. A vaccine mm-hmm. can, can produce illness and it usually does usually chronic illness, but mm-hmm. so, but no sods are not, uh, I, tell people it's not, it's not really correct to call it a homeopathic vaccine all those times we to it a homeopathic immunization but um brings up the point of immunization is not the same as vaccination so you can vaccinate something and it may not cause immunization you know it might not take back in the early days of smallpox vaccine they they would call, um, they would see if it took or not. You know, they would vaccinate the person on the arm with the smallpox. And if they got a big reaction and a scab, they would say it took. And they would say that person's mm-hmm. going to have immunity. 
if they didn't have a reaction, they would say it didn't take and they probably won't have protection. And they usually didn't. So, hmm. um, so, so no sodes work differently though, because they, um, they, uh, they expose the body to the energy of the disease in a different way. First of all, they're all given by mouth. You know, we give no sodes by mouth usually, whereas vaccines are usually injected with a needle or squirted in the nose like general cough, um, mm-hmm. which is more natural than uh, So we give by mouth, and that's a natural way of responding to things, of getting exposed usually. So the body um, mounts a more appropriate response. It doesn't overreact and trigger a lot of, uh, you know, hypersensitive reaction or allergy reaction. It just alerts the body, you know, hey, this is, this is out there. Be on the lookout for this. And and episodes also have to be given um, pretty close to the time of exposure. And so that's tricky because we, we, we really never know when that time is going to be. You know, we don't mm-hmm. know. Like, okay, this morning my puppy's going to get exposed to parvo. I mean, you could know that, I guess, if you took your puppy to a vet clinic and, you know, put him in a cage with a sick parvo puppy. You could oh, say, gosh. well, he's getting exposed. Yeah. But... Um, what I tell people is I say, just assume exposure is everywhere and mm-hmm. your pup, your pup is just constantly at risk of exposure. So we, we time the parvo nosos once a week because, uh, one dose lasts probably about a week or so and nobody's really sure, but that's a guess that it's about a week and repeat it weekly until they're about six months old when their immunity is strong. And that seems to work beautifully. And since we started that protocol, we didn't really start that until 2016. Before that, we were given a dose once a month, and we were only giving three doses. So we were doing it kind of like a vaccine. And once we started doing it weekly up through six months, we've, we've had no deaths at all from Parvo. We, and we've only had five cases. Wow. Before that, we saw lots of cases and a few deaths. And so making the change ahead on the no-sode story there, but... Um, but I think it helps to also explain that at the same time, explaining how nosodes work. So Absolutely. they're given they're given for things that are d- the diseases, infectious type diseases, and there's there's also nosodes for parasite problems, like there's a heartworm nosode, um, and there are there are other nosodes too: kennel cough, um, distemper, rabies. There's a rabies nosode, parvo. Um, flu. We use the human influenza nosode for dogs for canine influenza because some people are worried about canine influenza. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they have to have proof that their dog had an influenza vaccine. So we'll use the influenza nosode and it shows up on their receipt as influenza. So Oh nice. So far it's worked fine. Yeah. <laughs> no one's asked us any questions about it. <clears throat> and we, we add it to the combination nosode too that we give puppies so they they get a dose of that with their combination no sodes. So that's amazing. Yeah, I think no sodes are great. Some people aren't big fans. Some homeopaths really aren't even big fans of it. But um, I think these are the people that are more like in consulting. All they do is consulting work, and you know, mm-hmm. with me being in a general practice <clears throat> and seeing puppies for wellness checks and things like that, we we really needed something to stand in the gap because we weren't vaccinating. Right. And if a client comes in with a new puppy and <clears throat> you tell them you're not going to vaccinate their puppy, they get kind of concerned. You know, <laughs> they mm-hmm. they get pretty concerned right away. Like, what are we going to do instead? We have to do something. 
it's that idea right. of, you know, we have to check a box. We have this vaccine thing with all the boxes. So, okay, so I explained to them we're going to use something even better than a vaccine, much safer, much more effective. And we can document that. You know, we can prove that. We have proven that. And so that usually sits okay with them, and they're willing to try it. So sometimes the techs get resistance from people that they're in the room trying to talk about nosodes, and they come out and they say, you're going to have to talk to these people. <laughs> they they oh, aren't really? convinced. And so I have to go in and um, try to convince them. Sure. Usually we can. And give an explanation, yes. Especially when I tell them we don't even have vaccine in the clinic, so you'll have to go somewhere else if you want a vaccine. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love that. We don't have a plan B. So that's great. Yeah. So when you do you ever do you titer for um for these certain diseases after giving him giving them the no soats? We we don't routinely do titers. Mm-hmm. Um we 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 do if people request it, and we really don't have too many people that request it. Sure. Um, we we go more. I think just um, you know a lot of a lot of my thinking on that kind of spun off of a lot of Ron Schultz's work, the immunologist mm-hmm. in Wisconsin, who did you know decades of work on immunity and vaccine immunity, and and his some of his work was interesting and found that dogs get get immunity, they get natural immunity. With no vaccines, just just as well as vaccinated dogs do. In in fact, they all seem to be immune by about one year old, whether vaccinated or not. They all are showing immunity and showing titers, which is interesting, you know. And my thought is that yeah, they're no all kidding. they're all showing titers from natural immunity, probably, and not really from vaccine immunity, unless you're using a very fancy titer test that can distinguish, you know, vaccine immunity from. Natural immunity, yeah. which most tighter tests don't. Yeah, yeah most that's, don't do uh, that. Um, I, I was just interested, yeah, to see if yeah after doing you know giving the notes. Yeah, and there's an immunologist too, an interesting immunologist that's from Europe, and she's written a book called Vaccine Illusions. And um, in her book, she says titers in vaccinated animals are worthless because it doesn't really tell you anything. You know it, and and what she means is that it, it can be. Um, because it can be showing levels of uh, virus-specific antibody, which which means they've got antibody to that virus, but it doesn't tell you that it's a virus-neutralizing antibody. It just tells you it's got antibodies to the virus. So, Interesting. You know, okay. Yeah. So you can't really say, just looking at the titer, especially if they've been vaccinated, you can't say, well, yeah, they've got good immunity. You know, they they have a titer, but they got vaccinated. So. If you had an unvaccinated animal that had a titer, then you could probably say, you know, with more confidence, we've definitely got some immunity going on here. Yeah. So, yeah. So it can give people a sense of security. And I just don't think they're that helpful, really. So we, I know they're, they're getting more and more popular. And I think it's because a lot of vet clinics are starting to run more titers and promote titers because they're mm-hmm. selling fewer vaccines because people are catching on to the vaccine problem. Mm-hmm. The, um, the American Veterinary Medical Association even has articles now in their journal about how to talk to clients who are, they call it vaccine hesitant, you know, oh, the ones wow. who are hesitant, hesitant to vaccine and, you know, how to how to talk to them. And it has sample conversations and things about like that. About how to convince it's just, them to It's to hilarious. Vaccinate? Yeah, how to, how to talk them oh, into gosh. vaccinating. Oh, yeah, gosh. because 
so it just tells me that they must be seeing a lot of people that don't want to vaccinate sure. so that it's an impact on the profession. And, and most clinics get about 20% of their income from vaccinations. So that's, you know, that's quite a bit of money. Yeah. I mean, if you're a busy practice, yeah. And we noticed it when we stopped vaccinating back about 2009 or 2010. We noticed the income drop. You know, it was it was mm-hmm. significant. But it also lowered our expenses, though, too, because we didn't have to buy those vaccines anymore. And sure. so it it worked out about right, I think. Right. And I'm sure it's worked itself out by now. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there's no worries now as far as that goes. We we don't even think about it now as far as Well, that. And plus you get to sleep better at night knowing you're not vaccinating uh, as much as you know now about vaccinations, right? I do. And I, I don't get those calls at midnight that my dog's face is all swollen up like a balloon. Mm. That, oh, you know, he goodness. was in there earlier getting a vaccine and now he's throwing up and his face looks like a balloon. I don't miss those calls. <laughs> no kidding. Goodness. So what about those people that they've already vaccinated their dog and they've decided that they do not want to um, have further vaccinations? Would NOSOs be appropriate for those animals? Yeah, I think so. And and we we see a lot of those situations. In fact, I talked to a couple people today that are getting puppies from a breeder. Puppies will come to them after having already at least one vaccine. Mm-hmm. And so they're wanting to know about you know, can we still do no sods? And I say, absolutely, yeah. Um, you you know, your options are you can continue vaccinating and do that conventional approach. You can do nothing at all. Where I think no sods are a, a safe option that really stack the deck in the puppy's favor as far as immunity. And mm-hmm. the fact that they've had a vaccine already doesn't really change things too much. You know, it's that's probably the majority of the pups we see in practice. They come in, they've already had at least one vaccine from a breeder, or if it's a backyard breeder, they might have gone to the, you know, the tractor supply and got a vaccine and gave For it to sure. the puppy, you know, sure. things like that. You know, all well-meaning and trying to do the right thing. But so we just explain, okay, well, we can go from there. We can go from there. We can go right into no sods. We'll just pretend, you know, that vaccine happened and we're going to, we're just going to ignore it, really, and and have the same approach with no sods, and just still because I still think it can raise their immunity to a better level, give them better mm-hmm. immunity and better, you know, better resistance um, compared to doing nothing or compared to sure. doing more vaccines. So, so that's how we approach it. Yeah. And and what about the the pet parent who's maybe listening? And, you know, you talk about every vaccination causes autoimmune disease. And maybe they're in that boat of, you know, going to the vet, going to the allergist, getting nowhere, you know, trying all they can to figure out why their dog is so allergic to their world. Um, what advice do you have for those people? Um, well, we just we just talk, um, and I, I, I talk to a lot of folks like that too, because a lot of a lot of the consulting work I do is with people who are frustrated, you know, and they're, they've, they've been dealing, either they've been with it a long time or they dealt with it a long time with another dog. Now they have a, a new dog or puppy and they don't want to do that again. You know, they, they've mm-hmm. been on that merry-go-round. They don't want to do that again. So we just, you know, we have the, we have the whole, whole talk about how vaccines damage the immune system. But there's hope with treatments like homeopathy that can that can help rebalance and restore the order 
of what's been damaged so that symptoms will improve and the, and the whole animal will improve, um, you know, mental, emotional, and physical on every level, they will improve with mm-hmm. proper homeopathic treatment. So, so I always encourage them to try homeopathy, you know, at least give it a try. You know, we know we can stop these symptoms with steroids or antibiotics or those kind of things, but we also know that's not a good long-term, not a good long-term fix. And the more we do that, the more trouble we're going to have trying to restore order because mm-hmm. the body will just get stuck. You know, it'll get stuck in the disease mode and it won't be able to right. fix itself really. So right. what we're trying to do is encourage self-healing with homeopathic remedies. So homeopathic remedies aren't really like magic bullets that come along and make everything vanish. They, they just, they come in and they encourage the body to do it the right way, you know, to help right. the body do what it's supposed to do. Yeah. I heard an analogy once I, I really liked, and that was imagine a jockey and a racehorse and like the, the jockey is homeopathy kind of pushing the racehorse, but the body is going to, the one that's going to heal itself. You know, the horse is the body that's going to heal itself. So it just kind of wakes it up, you know, which I I thought was a really good analogy. Yeah. There's, Um, there's a lot of neat illustrations um, to help. Yep. The one um, Pitcairn that sticks in my mind is imagine you walk into a room, there's a room, there's nothing in the room, but there's over in the chair in the corner, there's a janitor sitting there sleeping. He's taking a nap and he's supposed to be, you know, taking care of things and he's sleeping. And above his head, there's a, there's a drip, the ceiling's leaking and it's dripping, drip, drip, drip. And you go over and you, you poke the janitor and say, Hey, wake up. You know, there's a leak up here and you show him where it is. And he, Oh, he gets busy and he wakes up and he, he looks at it and then he falls asleep again. And so you poke him again and that's the remedy. So the remedy is poking the yes. vital force. The vital force is asleep. The vital force isn't doing its job. And so you have these problems. Um, you know, allopathic approach would probably be to put duct tape over the hole where the water's mm-hmm. leaking and uh, or move the janitor's chair so he's not getting dripped on anymore. Exactly. But, so, so that always stuck in my head. I think that's a pretty good way to look at it. And and the remedy, you'll hear homeopaths talk about the remedy, you know, nudging or or pushing the patient in a certain direction. So mm-hmm. it's it's in an encouraging way, though. It's not like a violent push. You know, we don't want to do that. And that's one of the things Hahnemann said is that it, it should be rapid and gentle, a rapid and gentle return to health, you know. And, and a lot of people that get homeopathic treatment, this was true for me, too. The improvement was almost, um, I almost didn't notice it. You know, it happened so gently that I didn't realize it until I talked to my homeopath on follow-ups and she would say, well, you know, how's this and how's that? And I'd say, oh, it's gone. <laughs> I guess wow. it's, I guess it's better. I didn't even realize it's gone. She goes, yeah, you were really complaining about it last time. I go, yeah, it, it's went away, you know, and yeah. you just notice the stuff that's still there, but the other things just kind of slide away. And that ends with animals a lot too. I'll see animals on rechecks and they'll, the, that parent will say, I don't think it's any better. And I'll, I'll look and I'll say, well, you know, compared to what last time, I this looks better. That looks better. This is gone. They'll say, oh, yeah, I guess so. So, yeah. you know, sometimes we don't, we don't notice it. But yeah. I think that's one of the, the neat things about homeopathy, though, too, is that it, it has that ability to work kind of under the radar in a, 
not really a sneaky way, but just just a real gentle, subtle way, which mm-hmm. which is which is really how our body does a lot of things. You know, when you think about it, I mean, if your if your body had violent reactions all the time, you know, if you were constantly having those kind of reactions, it wouldn't be very pleasant. But your body just you know maintains itself pretty well in a quiet. Uh, that's how it should be anyway, in a quiet, gentle sort of way. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I know just speaking from experience, um, working with you and also Dr. Will before, um, you know, even meeting you, um, I have seen the wonders of homeopathy in my own dogs. And yeah. when you get that remedy that you just go, oh, my goodness, wow, this is yeah. this is a different dog. You know, this the is a aha dog moment. That w- Yes, that was, you know, I thought moment. was on death's door. And oh yeah. my goodness, you know. Oh yeah. Um it's it's a it's very amazing. And you know, a lot of it is who knows how it works, but it does. You know, it's yeah. it's, it's amazing. And and I want to say that um I think it's important to point out too that you know, when you're trying to figure out what remedy to take I think that's where a skilled homeopath like you, um, it's so important um, for people to seek that out because, you know, you can play with remedies all day long and look things up on the internet, but unless you have someone who really understands what the whole symptom profile looks like and Mm -hmm. asking the right questions to get to the root um, of the situation, Mm -hmm. you know, from the outside, I think it really um, it, it's just a, a huge part of everything working. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. And there's, and there, you know, a lot of us, well, I wouldn't say a lot, but there's quite a few of us out there who, who can lend help, you know, and we're out there and we're available. Um, I'm, I'm one that tries to be available as much as possible, but, um, and I, I'm on a lot of different uh, groups. I do some Facebook groups and things where people are constantly asking questions, you know, about, um, animal issues and you'll you'll know that somebody is kind of new to homeopathy because they'll say something like you know what's a good remedy for stinky ears you know or what's a good oh, remedy sure. for diarrhea and we'll say well <laughs> um we need to find the remedy for the animal that has that you know exactly we, or or do you have a homeopathic remedy for cushing's disease you know those those kind of things so yeah to understand it correctly though like you said you have to look at the whole look at the whole picture and so it's strange it's a strange it's a strange way of doing it because it's unfamiliar to a lot of folks and so like when i am talking to someone about their dog and they really want to talk about the dog's stinky ears and i start asking about the dog's behavior and you know how they react to other animals and they react to other people and how are they sleeping and they, they always think well this is weird you know why are you asking me all these things mm-hmm. you know well it's going to help us find the best fit you know it's going to help us find the best remedy because it 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 might be a remedy and it usually a remedy that i'm not thinking of you know if i just first look at a case and just kind of shoot from the hip and say well let's just give this remedy, you know a lot of times it's not it's not a good fit and we end up having to go back to the drawing board and okay look at everything again and right like maybe we should have the first time but yeah, yeah if you do find that remedy though like you said it can be amazing i mean i've seen animals respond right in the exam room like mm. almost instantly and it can be fast and um it's funny when it happens because we just we just sit there and laugh and say wow look at that <laughs> yeah look at that the, the seizure stopped or whatever they were doing stopped 
So, and it's fun because um, the people I work with too, they've all had chances to see it and everyone's had their aha moments. And then they, Absolutely. you know, they don't, they don't need to, um, well, they, they can talk to people with confidence, you know, about mm-hmm. homeopathy and, and they have to because um, I, I usually can't talk to everyone. So the people that are answering the phone calls and the technicians and all, they, they can all talk about that with pretty good confidence. And they're all sure. pretty good. They're all pretty good at um, picking remedies too. <laughs> so That's awesome. Yeah. Well, and there are kind of some of those more acute situations where you might have, you know, if the animal has diarrhea, you know, you've got a couple of, you know, top ones that you yeah. choose from, you know. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's different than those chronic, you know, the ongoing skin infections, ear infections, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Arthritis, you know, whatever it is, those those all slow exactly. burning chronic issues. That's where you really need to get um, someone skilled like you involved where, mm-hmm. you know, those first aid things, there may be, you know, yeah, okay, I'm going to reach for this whenever my dog has yeah. diarrhea. Um, yeah, like. So. Yeah, like you can tell someone, you know, photophyllum is a good remedy for diarrhea, you know, usually, mm-hmm. or, or aloe. Aloe's a good remedy. Or yeah. um, Reum, you know, made from rhubarb, a good diarrhea remedy. If you eat too much rhubarb, guess what? You'll have diarrhea. <laughs> so Yeah, which is um, so weird because you're treating it with something that would cause it. It's, it's, it's yeah. a law of similars, yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite remedies is Roostox because... And you're not supposed to have a favorite remedy, but it's one of my favorites. Well, when I was a kid, I was always getting covered in poison ivy. Always. I was so sensitive. I was so allergic to it. It seemed like, and I liked to be in the woods. I liked to be out grubbing around as a kid. So I always had poison ivy. And my mom, I think, bought calamine lotion by a gallon, you know, and she was always putting it all over me. But um, when I first went to a homeopath, after she talked to me for an hour and a half, she said, I think your remedy is roost talks which is poison ivy. And I went, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and it's still my go-to remedy. I mean, I don't know if it might be my constitutional. I'm not sure. but sure. Um, And the constitutional is just the remedy that seems to fit you the best overall in every mm-hmm. way, you know, mental, emotional, physical. And when I read the mental symptoms of Rustox, I go, yeah, that sounds like me, you know. Interesting. Mr. ADD. Yeah, it all fits. You know? yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Mr. ADD. That's, oh, that's gotcha. talks, you know, restless, mentally restless, always um, looking for things, you know, something else to distract me. But um, but for animals, too, it's a great remedy. And mm-hmm. so um, but, yeah, that's uh, and, and homeopaths, you know, when you talked about acute and chronic, those are the only two diseases homeopaths recognize. There is acute disease and there's chronic disease. Anything else is just a variation or a description, you know, sub subcategory of those, which really simplifies things, you know. And mm-hmm. and another little hint is that most of it's chronic disease. You know, most of most of the things that we call acute are probably acute flare-ups of chronic disease and not sure. true acute like in a, a true acute disease would be part of a you know, in a in a puppy mm-hmm. or in a person. Um or an injury, like you know, a dog gets hit by a car. That's an acute. That's an acute problem. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, but for sure. The majority of stuff that we deal with is chronic disease, and chronic disease is is happens from the inside out. You know, it's something that starts within the organism, 
and it's real it's slow in the onset usually and then you'll have flare-ups that look like crazy storms flaring up you know the skin's itchy and hot and red and we're vomiting and we're we're just having all these crazy symptoms and someone compared it to like a like a stream flooding or a river flooding you know it breaks out over the walls of the river and it goes out everywhere and causes all this havoc and then it returns to the bank and it's quiet again that's that's the that's the dormant phase or the quiet phase of chronic disease it's still there and it seems like everything's okay but it's just kind of waiting to you know flare up again mm-hmm. and so so when you when you're looking for that similar remedy, you're really looking for the one that matches the chronic state. You know, that's that's really the the golden prize if you can find the remedy that fits and works on a deeper level. Usually you're going to cause a really deep, long-lasting cure. Right. So right. Um, that's why you can be pretty good at treating acute problems with acute-type remedies, and you, you may just do that for a long more improvement because you're kind of – you're kind of working in the branches. You're you're trimming off the branches and you're pruning on mm-hmm. the outside, nipping away at things there. And you're making things better, you know, no doubt, especially because you're working with homeopathy and not with drugs. Right. But if you can get to the root of it and find a deeper acting remedy, you're usually going to be, you know, farther ahead. And that's hard, though. That's that's the That's the hardest part of homeopathy for sure. That's why a lot of people say it's, you know, it's kind of a lifelong journey. Right. So, well, and it is, it can be confusing for um, people and because they may think, oh, this seems like a good one and it didn't necessarily, and I'm saying, I'm putting in quotes, work for them. Then a lot of times they're ready to say, oh, that didn't, homeopathy didn't work for me. And so many times it just, it just um, means that they haven't had someone really help them with getting down to the, to the, uh, to the root. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and the other thing that's frustrating is it can't it can't work in every case and it doesn't work mm-hmm. in every case. Um and you never really can tell when it's going to work or when it won't work. Like I can't look at a case. Some of the older homeopaths would look at somebody and say treat you. You're incurable. And they would just tell them that off the bat. And so they mm. wouldn't even bother. And I you know, I may have had that feeling a few times about an animal, but I've never said from the, you know, from the get-go, I think this is incurable. I say, well, right. let's try it, you know. I'm just, maybe I'm just stubborn that way, yeah. but um, I always feel like it can't hurt to try. And sometimes we get really lucky in a stubborn situation turns around. Yeah. Or they might read an article and someone talked about a remedy for something, so they try it and they say, well, it didn't work. You know, I tried it and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Or, or more often, they have it confused with herbal medicine or, you know, um, something else or home remedies. They get the words mixed up. Yes, and yes, yes. So sometimes they don't even know what you're talking about. What homeopathy really is. That's right. But, but we, you know, we deal with all that. Try to work our way through it. Sure. Takes a lot of communication. A lot of communication. Absolutely. If someone were wanting to um, get in touch with you um, for some consulting, how would they get in touch with you? Um, Yeah, that's that's a great question. And um, I have a I have a website for consulting and it's um, it's naturalanimalconsulting.com. And it's just a little website 
we we put together my wife and I, and she she had a big part in it. But if you go there, um, you know, right on the home page, there's a button you can click that says schedule a consult. And so they can click on that. It lets them go to the calendar and then pick a day and a time that they like that works for them. And they can also send an email from that website. There's a little email uh, window. They can just email a quick message. And I get a lot of those, and people will email and say, well, I'm not sure if this is right or if or this will help my animal. What do you think? You know, So I can give them some feedback, um, you know, kind of, a, kind of a free trial-type question thing. And then if mm-hmm. they decide to go ahead, then they can book a consult, and then we can get started. And... Um, once they've done that, then I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty committed to trying to help them in however way I can, whatever way I can, you know, and sometimes I'll work along with their regular vet and wherever they are and just helping them to make decisions about things to try or not to try, you know, so. Mm-hmm. I know you and I have, have also partnered quite a bit um, with some of my, you know, clients. Who- yeah. You know, exactly. maybe we've gotten them started and they're on a great path and they just need that extra little nudge. And so that's yeah. when I say, contact Dr. Cooney. Let's let's get him on board, too. I think this could be a really good fit. Yeah, um, I appreciate that. Yeah. And if I'm talking to someone from Texas area, I always ask them if they know you. And uh, a lot of times yeah. they do. <laughs> or if they don't, I tell them, you know, to get to know you <laughs> Yeah, and uh, make a point of that. So, yeah, because there are. There are folks, you know, like us all over the place. There are, there are holistic-minded mm-hmm. folks. A lot of people that do know about homeopathy and and a lot of holistic-type pet stores, you know, like yours. And sure. Where people can really offer good advice. So I always, I always tell people to try to find those people, you know, look for them. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes some people need to change vets. You know, they need to find a more like-minded vet clinic. Or, or a veterinarian, and sure. that, that can be tricky in itself. So, but it's nice to have someone who is at least open-minded to your, you know, your approach if you're trying to do homeopathy with your animal. Absolutely. And I think that is probably one of the big obstacles that a lot of people yeah. run into is they, and I know I have too, you know, when people ask or a veterinarian asks, what, you know, what am I doing for XYZ? And you know, I, I might say homeopathy and they kind of laugh, you know, so yeah. I, I just know I'm not going down that road. I, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm grounded with, you know, I know it works and I know I've got an expert on my side and, yeah. um, and I use them for, you know, diagnostics and emergencies and, yeah. and that's, that's how we do it, you know? Yeah. 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 It's, um, yeah, allopathic medicine is still good for some things. I mean, if you're having a heart attack or you're in a car Absolutely. accident, you've got to go to the hospital. Um, you know, Arnica will help you a little bit, but it's not going to, may not do the whole trick. Um, but when it comes to treating other things, you know, chronic disease, conventional medicine just doesn't have good options, you know, for, mm-hmm. for chronic disease, which is, again, most of what we see, you know, in animals. Mm-hmm. And and people too. We're we're in the same boat. Yep. We inherit it. You were born that way, you know. <laughs> so, I know. Yep. Unfortunately, right? Unfortunately. So what are some are there some other resources out there for people, you know, kind of looking for I guess learning a little bit more about homeopathy or um 
just more homeopathic practitioners or anything like that? Yeah, there's, um, well, the two big groups in the veterinary side, uh, there's the AHVMA, which is the American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association. And they're a, they're a big group of holistic vets, including homeopaths. They also include the uh, acupuncture, Chinese medicine, chiropractor, herbal medicine, um, you know, all kinds of other therapies, color therapy. They have color therapy for dogs, music therapy, you know, you name it. There's people that do different kinds of neat things. Mm-hmm. Um, the homeopaths have their own group called the AVH, which is the Academy of Veterinary Homeopathy. And both those websites have a .org at the end, I think, ahvma.org. And the AVH is, is theavh.org. They put the word the in front of it for some reason when they started it. And both of those have directories, so you can click on uh, like a state or your location where you are, and it'll bring up people in your vicinity that you can touch base with. And a lot of them have links to the the individual's websites too. So like you can go to the AVH and find me and get on my website from that website. So as far as just learning about homeopathy, um, I really like uh, Richard Pickcairn's book, uh, Natural Health for Dogs and Cats, I think is the title of it. It's in like the fourth edition now. It was first written in the mid eighties, I think he and his wife, Susan, um, keep putting out new editions that are um, better than the last ones. They keep adding updated information and things. The newest one has more updated information on nutrition, which is interesting. And uh, Don Hamilton has a real good book. Don was one of the first students of Richard's in the course, and he has a book called um, Small Doses for Small Animals, I think it's called, Don Hamilton. And it's easy to find on Amazon. If you just put in Don Hamilton and homeopathy, you'll find it. Um, I don't have a book yet. I hope to someday, but I don't have one yet. I have one swirling <laughs> around in my head. <laughs> um, but uh, in other good websites, uh, the National Center for Homeopathy, they have a great website. They're, they're like a big clearinghouse for homeopathy in the U.S. And, and uh, Canada has a similar one center and there's also a really good uh, there's a good organization called whole health now that's run by kim alia and it's wholehealthnow.com and they offer some free online courses so people can go in and just take some free courses on learning like acute emergency treatments and basic homeopathy 101 things like that so those that's a nice way to you know get your get your feet wet and get more get more information. I like a lot of their. In fact, they just had a webinar last night that I'm I'm going to watch when I get a chance. It got recorded, but the fourth one they've done in a series about coronavirus. So they're they're pretty interesting because you have a bunch of homeopaths talking about it instead of listening to the nightly news talking yes. about coronavirus. <laughs> and the so, vaccines. Different perspective. Yeah. Well, this is all helpful, and I will um, I will add these websites to the show notes so that people have those um, yeah. easily accessible as well. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, and um, yeah, and then there's always social media too, and there's groups like Dogs Naturally and uh, mm-hmm. the Whole Dog Whole Dog Journal is an older one, but Dogs Naturally is a newer one. That's a I really like them for dog topics. I think they're very good. They have a lot of good information. 
their magazine just recently went all digital. So I just, I think as of December, they're not doing print magazines anymore. Oh, but, wow. I didn't realize that. But they have a lot of good content on their website. And they're starting a blog, too, which they're going to have a lot of content on there. So, good. Yeah. Very good. Well, I want to thank you so much uh, for taking this time to go over so many great, so much great information tonight and um, and just sharing some of your experience from a veterinary's perspective um, on what you've seen with some of the traditional uh, veterinary um, practices and how you've been able to transform that into um, your own practice of super, super healthy, thriving dogs. So, oh, and cats. So I'm <laughs> just cats. appreciative. Yes. Can't forget cats. And snakes. Um, and birds. Oh gosh. Oh my we goodness. We do those too. Yeah. One wow. of the coolest cases I ever had was a six foot python that had pneumonia and. Oh my goodness. Got wow. better with one dose of phosphorus. <laughs> wow. Uh, that was, That's amazing. That was crazy. And someone said, why are you helping a snake? I said, well, he had a nice owner. Somebody you know? loves it. <laughs> he had a yeah. nice owner. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, yeah. Well, I, um, again, thank you so much for being here and um, my for pleasure. all of the great information. And we will see you again soon. And, uh, and, and again, just thank you. You bet. My pleasure. Thanks, Tammy. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you love this episode, share it with someone who may also want to help their pet. You can share it now or post it on social media. Tag me in it so that I can reach back out to you. I'm so proud of you for taking steps to help your amazing furry family member. Talk to you soon.